Welcome to the Marriage on Fire podcast, the show for couples that shares research-based relationship insights, advice, and strategies for creating and sustaining a happy and fulfilling marriage, where we look at the stuff that truly makes the relationship and how to live a good life. And here's your host, husband and dad and relationship coach, Gideon Hanacom, creator of the popular New Zealand-based blog, TheRelationshipGuy.com. What's up, everybody? This is Gideon, and welcome to episode number two on Marriage on Fire. So today we're going to talk about a very interesting topic, namely, how do I motivate my spouse? Now, some of you might uh, think now, well, why would I want to motivate my spouse? Well, if you think about it, motivation is really about triggering or encouraging, you know, uh, sort of certain behaviors or actions in people around us. So if I can motivate you to be more loving, then what I'm essentially doing is I'm encouraging you in some way or another to be more loving, to behave more lovingly. If I want you to be more intimate or initiate more intimacy, then if I motivate you to initiate that, then in a sense, I'm encouraging you know, something within you to, you know, be more intimate, to behave in a more intimate way. So learning how to motivate our spouses is a skill that we can all learn. It is something that we can all benefit from because when we learn or when we understand motivation and when we learn how to motivate our spouses, we can actually start creating the behaviors or at least encourage the behaviors and the actions in each other as a couple that will mostly, you know, or benefit our relationship most. So learning how to motivate my spouse is a very interesting and a very powerful topic to learn, I think, right away here at Marriage on Fire, sort of at the start of this podcast, you know, as we sort of continue our journey. So let's quickly talk about what is motivation in essence. If we if we really break it down and we really boil it down to its core meaning, you know, in order for us to understand it best so that we can turn that into a strategy that works for us in our marriages. What what is motivation in essence? Well motivation in essence is essentially it is to feel a certain way which then leads to certain actions or behaviors. So in a sense, to be motivated is all about emotion. When I feel motivated, I feel certain emotions that then lead to certain actions. And when I then, you know, when we turn it around, when we're talking about motivating someone else, it is really about uh, encouraging or triggering or, you know, eliciting certain emotions in someone else, which then leads to, you know, certain certain actions. So the root meaning of the word emotion, if we think about it, well, what is a feeling? What is emotion? Well, the root meaning of the word emotion is actually not to feel, but it's actually to move. And when you look at how the ancient Greeks thought about emotions and how they described it, they actually described, you know, how our emotions actually moved our behavior. So for the ancient Greeks, they saw a very close sort of connection relationship between what we feel our emotions and our behavior and our actions. They saw that there was no separation. The one leads to the other. Now today, of course, we talk about to motivate behavior or to motivate action in someone else. But essentially what we're talking about is to motivate basically means to trigger or elicit certain feelings and emotions in someone that then leads to certain behavior. So emotion first, feelings first, and you know behavior and actions that flow from that. So for example, if I want to 
motive, motivate my wife to have more sex with me, you know, as an example, then I need to firstly need to understand um, how to elicit certain emotions or feelings within her first that will then make, quote unquote, her more motivated to want to have more sex with me. So it's not about sort of manipulating her or tricking her or convincing her into having more intimate you know, relations with me. It's more about me understanding that there are certain things that I can do that trigger certain feelings, intimate feelings or feelings of love or whatever the case is within her, which will then increase the chances for her to behave in a more intimate way, which might then, you know, eventually lead to us having more, you know, intimate relationships or intimate relations. So motivation is really about emotions. It's really about feelings. And when we trigger illicit certain feelings in ourselves or in someone else, then in a sense that leads to moved behavior or moved uh, actions. And that's really what motivation is in essence. So motivation is not about persuasion. It's, it's definitely not about manipulation, but it's rather about motivating or prompting beneficial, conducive, or optimal feelings, let's call it an emotional state, in ourselves or in someone else, like our spouse, that will then lead to the behavior we want, or in sort of a more, you know, an increased uh, presence of the behavior and the actions that we want. Now, what is interesting is when we we look at, you know, motivation, uh, you know, a little bit deeper, some experts tell us that we can actually break motivation down into only three types of, you know, basic types of motivation modes, as, as some of them call it. And what some experts say is, is that at any given time, as people, we actually operate in and from one of three, one of these three motivation modes. And it's usually these motivation modes that we operate in or we are harboring at any given time that people then end up responding to. Now, this this sort of, you know, takes this conversation in a very interesting direction if we want to know how to motivate our spouses. But let me just unpack this a little bit more. So the three, the basic three types of motivation modes, as some experts, you know, refer to it is is that at any given time we can either be in what we call engage mode uh, or we can be in what some call escape mode or we can be in number three an erupt mode and and what that basically means is is that we're either you know sort of harboring or you know holding uh, and operating from a mode of being engaged you know or we're in sort of an engaging uh, motivation mode meaning that people sense from us that they can engage us we're open we're responsive uh, you know we're just we're we're in a good place and so people can respond to that there's a good energy and a good feel about us or we can be in escape mode meaning that people find us closed off they find us withdrawn they find that we're distracted they find that we're trying to escape we're trying to avoid, you know, and all those type of behaviors. Or we can be in the third motivation mode, which is the erupt mode, meaning that we're in full-on attack mode, meaning that we're, you know, we're we're not just engaging, but we are engaging in a very specific way, and, and the way is to, to do harm, the way is to, you know, conflict-focused or conflict-centered, um, and everything that sort of flows from that. So some experts say that essentially, at any given time, we're actually operating in one of these 
three kind of modes. And and this is very much sort of an evolutionary type of, uh, you know, uh, reality for, for most of us. And um, what they also say is, is that, you know, from early childhood, it just, you know, we, we happen to be extremely accurate in reading where the people are in, you know, one of these three modes. We, we can read, it's almost like we, we can intuitively know that people like our parents or, you know, other grown-ups or, or whatever the case is, teachers, uh, role models, uh, you know, just caregivers, whatever the case is, is that we can sense, uh, you know, without them even using words, we can sense whether they're in engage mode, you know, open, receptive, and, and for whatever, or whether they're in escape mode, meaning they're distracted, they're not really present, even though they're physically there, or they are in erupt mode, meaning that we need to avoid them because, you know, we need to avoid harm. Uh, and that essentially, you know, it, it kind of has to do with sort of the whole survival idea, is that we, from our early childhood, we, we're very good at reading or feeling or sensing in which mode people are, and, and it's really about avoiding harm and, um, you know, and, and looking after ourselves. But even though we have this from a young age, we're very intuitive in terms of sensing where people are, you know, which mode they're operating from. We're actually, as people, not that not that accurate in reading people's thoughts and feelings. So we can sense the energy that people are harboring and they're operating in at, the, at, at any given time, but we're not that great at reading what people are feeling or thinking. Uh, unless, of course, you've got, you know, had some training and stuff to sort of read body language a little bit better and so on and so on. And so the information, you know, about, and the reason for this is that the information that we, we read or the information that, you know, about which motivation mode people are operating in is actually processed in a different part of our brain. It's actually processed in the amygdala, which is that part of our brain that facilitates basic emotion. And it's, you know, and it's actually that gets processed first before it is processed in the neocortex, which is where our thought and language originate. So the the amygdala is this primitive structure in our brain that is, you know, that is common to most animals, most mammals, you know, and it's usually fully developed by the age of three. And so when you look at young kids and even cats and dogs, and if you're a pet owner, you know, maybe you've got a cat or a dog, you, you might have, you know, picked this up, is that, you know, young children and, and cats and dogs, they're actually very, you know, they, they, they sort of can read very accurately at a high level of accuracy, whether, you know, we as owners or parents are either in a, a sort of engage, escape or erupt modes. And, uh, you know, I found it very interesting with my with my dog, you know, when she was still alive and, and even with our cats, is that, you know, they can sense when they need to stay out of my way, you know, and and then there's other times when they're really loving and because they sense I'm in a much different state. I'm kind of in a more engaged mode. And the funny thing is they can sense this the same as kids without us actually having, you know, without them actually having to talk to us about it. It's just something we sense. Now, at this point, you might be wondering, well, that's all great, Gideon, but I didn't come here for a biology lesson. So what, what, you know, what, what, how does this apply to my situation as a, as a spouse? Well, it is important because our partners almost exclusively respond to the motivation mode that we're in at any given time. They're not responding primarily to our intentions or our goals or our words, but what they're actually 
you know, unconsciously responding to is actually what they sense from us. You know, the mode, the motivation mode, or the, let's call it the energetic state that we're operating in, or that we find ourselves in, that is actually what our partners respond to. And that will trigger or elicit their response. That will ultimately determine how motivated they are, or in what way they're motivated to behave in a certain way. Now, obviously, if we start thinking about motivation in this way, this is, you know, this is kind of where it starts getting interesting, because now motivation is not so much about, you know, it's not so much about manipulating our partners, and it's not so not so much uh, actually about them. It's actually now more about putting ourselves in the right motivation mode, whether it's engaged, escape, or or erupt mode. But you know, obviously, the engage mode is what we're after. But it's now more. Uh, sense of or an issue of putting ourselves in the right motivation mode from which we then can encourage or prompt the most conducive emotions in our spouse in relation to the behavior that we want from our spouse if, if you follow that so i'll give you an example to kind of you know drive this point home and maybe you'll understand what i mean is that so say as an example i want my spouse to be more loving right say let's say i want to motivate my spouse to be more loving for whatever reason so this is kind of what it looks like when we think about motivation on the basis of what i just explained the first thing is is that in order to get my spouse to be more loving i need to put myself in a genuinely open and engaged state. We can just call it in a, in a loving state. So just think about this for a moment. So it's not about encouraging a loving, you know, loving behavior and actions in my spouse. It's actually the first step is to put myself in a genuinely open and engaged and loving state first. I need to harbor or generate that loving energy, that, you know, or state within myself first because my wife uh, in this instance, will respond intuitively, unconsciously to the state I am harboring, not to my goals, my intentions, or my words. She is responding, unbeknownst to her, but she's responding to the energy that I'm actually harboring and unconsciously portraying and communicating. That's a very powerful, you know, sort of concept to to get our head around. So if I want my wife to more, you know, spouse to be more loving, then I need to put myself in a genuinely sort of loving state first. And then once I've done that, I then need to treat her in ways that will create first feelings of love. So feelings and or emotions of love in her. And second, loving behavior towards me as a as a result of those feelings so think about how you know just think about it again so it's about me you know creating a state of love within myself which then leads to you know eliciting or prompting feelings of love within her which then motivates her unconsciously you know or puts her in a, in a sort of a loving state which then leads to certain loving behaviors to me as the result so the behavior isn't the thing that I'm addressing the behavior isn't the thing I'm changing what I'm changing is my own emotional state which then sort of gets reflected and projected onto my spouse which then triggers the same state in her or in him which then only finally to the type of behavior that reflects that very state, you know, that's now being created in my spouse. 
and then thirdly to then stay engaged by you know once we've done all that it is then about staying engaged by being receptive and open and grateful when my spouse actually do respond and engage with me in more loving behavior because it's not a certainty even even if I walk around with you know a lot of love in my heart and I'm you know sort of really genuinely portraying and projecting that sort of loving energetic state uh, it isn't a certainty that my spouse will respond to that and reciprocate it. It's, it's not a certainty. It's definitely a better strategy than trying to manipulate my partner into loving behavior, but it's not a certainty. So the third step is, is equally important. Once I've done everything in my power to, in a sense, project love and, and act in a way that you know will elicit loving emotions or a loving emotional state within her, to put her essentially in an engaged kind of motivation state, it's not a certainty that she will respond or reciprocate that love. But uh, once I've done everything, it's important that I stay engaged, that I stay in that Sort of open, you know, motivation uh, state in a sense, and 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 to just remain open, and to just be open and receptive and grateful when she actually does respond and engage with me in more loving behavior. Because what that will do is it will actually positively reinforce the behavior that I'm actually after. And that's a very interesting thing and a very powerful thing because a lot of couples, uh, without them understanding this uh, really, is that they're they want more loving behavior from their partner. So how do they go about it? They firstly, they try and get their partner to be more loving first without them actually changing anything inside of them. So they want their partner to change first so that they can feel more loved and thereby be more loving. And then when their partner doesn't do it, they actually go off. You know, they actually, you know, react in a way that's negative, which in a sense now negatively reinforces the very behavior they don't want. And we think that is an optimal strategy strategy for getting what we want, but it's actually just foolish. So I want you to, if, if you haven't followed this so far, I want you to go and listen to this again, because there's a lot of gold here that will really serve you if you get your head around this. Um, but I think it will really serve you if you understand the, let's call it the psychology of motivation uh, and how you can utilize the principle of it within your relationship. So maybe, so maybe, but but maybe you're listening to this right now and maybe you're thinking, okay, I, I get all of this, okay? But m now maybe you're asking, okay, so I understand that I need to do something within myself first, you know, put myself in the right emotional state or the right motivation state. I need to then act in a certain way to elicit those feelings within my partner, which then will potentially lead to her or him acting in a similar way. But even if they don't, I need to remain open, you know, so that I can positively reinforce some positive behavior that comes out of this. But maybe, so maybe you get that, but but on, on top of that, you're asking yourself, so what are things that I can actually do, like in general, specific things I can do in general to you know, stand a bigger chance to actually create those positive emotions in my spouse. What what can I do? It's not just about me feeling it, but what what are things that I what are the things I can do to actually, in a sense, project what I'm feeling on the inside, which will then increase the chances of my spouse being more motivated to act differently, whatever that looks like. You know, whether it's being more loving, kindly, uh, generously, you know, whatever the case is. Well, I want to give you eight kind of tips uh, or eight strategies, eight actions you can take that will, you know, serve you. And uh, I call them eight tips to motivate. So this obviously, you know, is on the assumption uh, or it's it's sort of built on the assumption uh, that you understand everything I've said so far around what motivation really is in essence. 
if you if you miss that and you only try and do these eight things and there's obviously more but if you you know let's start start with these eight things if you only do these eight things without everything that i've said so far the whole thing will probably be not as if you know won't be as effective so so go and listen to this again and then come back, uh, you know, and look at these and listen to these eight tips to motivate and use it to kind of build on the foundation, you know, I've just laid for you. So let's talk about the first one, the first tip to, you know, motivate your spouse more um, in terms of generating this positive state within her or him, which will then lead to the behaviors that you want, whatever they might be, being more loving, kindly, or generous. Uh, the first one that you need to think about is what I've been talking about so far. You have to work on your own emotional state and energy first. Whether you call it your motivational state, the type of thing, the state that you want to sort of elicit or trigger within your partner or you want to motivate within your partner, you have to harbor or generate and then harbor that emotional state and energy within yourself first. There is no way you are going to trigger feelings and behavior of love in your partner when you are operating or behaving, you know, in from one from an unloving state and secondly in an unloving way. There is no way you, you can try and convince your partner to be more loving. You can argue all day long about, you know, why you'll be more loving once they more loving. The point is our partners do not respond to our intentions, goals, or words. They respond to the motivational state that we're in. That is a survival mechanism, uh, and that is how it is. They're essentially reacting to us like our pets would, you know, even though they're a little bit more advanced. So if you want to have the biggest chance, the best chance of actually starting to motivate your partner, uh, you know, and encourage this certain emotional state and behavior flowing from that, you have to generate it within yourself first and uh, and that energy within yourself first whatever that looks like you know you've got to become more engaged open protective encouraging nurturing connected whatever it looks like whatever the status that you want you have to find a way to generate it within yourself first genuinely and sincerely and let that sort of drive your own emotional state and behaviors because that will give you the best chance of your partner actually reciprocating um, whatever they sense within you. The second tip I can give you to motivate is that if you wanted to choose a particular state to generate or really harbor and, um, you know, uh, portray or, or, or project, you know, from within, I would say if you had to choose one, choose happiness. Meaning that if you become happy in yourself first, and I'm talking about genuinely happy, you're truly content, you know, independent from, from your marriage, independent of what is going on in your relationship. If you can learn to become a happy individual, and I don't mean you're happy with the bad stuff going on in your relationship or you're happy with the fact that things aren't that great with between you and your partner. That's what, not what I mean. I'm talking about if you can work hard to become a genuinely happy individual within yourself that might have some issues they need to work through. If you become a happy individual like that, you're actually setting yourself up for more success than failure. I found working with so many couples and with people and just knowing people in general, in my family, um, but friends I have, people I've met, you know, along, you know, over the years, is that when people are, you know, kind of inherently unhappy, unfortunately, that energy, if you know, for lack of a better word, that energetic state 
in a sense, uh, taints everything else. It flo- it seeps into everything else. And even though a person might have all the great in- greatest intentions in the world, they might they might be very intellectual. They might n- you know know a lot of things. When people are unhappy, individuals are unhappy. It comes through, and it really just messes with everything else. It just renders you powerless. So if you wanted to choose a powerful state to start motivating your wife more, become a happy person. Like it's as simple as that. Become a happy person. Ask yourself, how happy am I right now? Irrespective of how I think my wife should be treating me or my husband, you know, what he should be doing or shouldn't be doing. How happy are you within yourself? Because chances are that, you know, uh, you're blaming your partner right now for your unhappiness, but chances are that you were unhappy long before the problem started. Um, chances are that you were unhappy in other areas of your life long before your, your spouse came along. And because that's kind of the pattern I've noticed with a lot of people. Happy people tend to find a way to be happy even if when their situation isn't that great. And so uh, unfortunately today, there it's so easy to find reasons to be unhappy, you know, because we're bombarded with so, so much negative news all the, you know, all the time. We're measuring ourselves against, you know, the Instagram successes and couples and, and all these things. And we have these expectations of what we should be like or, you know, how far we should have been in life and all these type of stuff. The point is, guys, is that ultimately, if you want to give yourself the best chance of generating the most helpful state within yourself, start with happiness. Choose happiness, you know, work on that. And if you need help with that, reach out to me, you know, or reach out to someone. But you've got to start with that. The third tip, sort of, you know, speeding this along, the third tip to motivate uh, your partner or to create more more motivation is to actually start celebrating what is right in the world rather than what is wrong. Differently put, start celebrating what is right in your relationship versus what is wrong. You know, so simply put, stop focusing and dwelling on everything that is wrong and everything that is negative because chances are not everything is negative and bad. It is just because there are a lot of perhaps negative things going on at the moment or perhaps just one negative thing that's really overshadowing everything else that it kind of takes your focus away from all the good stuff as well. In fact, you're underplaying, underselling some of the good stuff right now. But as psychologists teach us is that, you know, they talk about bright spots, this idea that no problem exists all the time. There's always a bright spot. There's always sort of a, a moment or a situation where the problem doesn't exist. If you want to start, you know, harboring a positive emotional state within yourself, uh, you know, on top of choosing happiness, you've got to start pointing out and start celebrating verbally, you know, uh, in, in whatever way makes sense, not just in your head, but start celebrating, start being vocal about the things that are truly right in your relationship, start focusing on that, start pointing that out, because what it'll do is it'll just bring, it'll bring things back into balance versus only focusing and dwelling on what is wrong, what is negative. Number four, you've got to expect and accept that mistakes will happen and there will be some letdowns. Look, ultimately your partner is or your spouse is a, is a human being, a fallible human being. We make mistakes, we fall down, we have bad days, you know, we you know, we struggle with things. And ultimately if you want to you know, put yourself in the sort of most ideal situation to feel good about your spouse in order to you know, generate the feelings that you want to feel so that you can behave in a way that will trigger those same feelings in your spouse. You have to just accept the fact that people make mistakes. And when that happens, you've got to learn how to forgive and move on quickly. 
I meet with so many unhappy couples and this is something that they all struggle with is that when their partner fails or they let them down, they hold on. They never forgive and they hold on almost like a, you know, sort of a, a, a cloud sort of hanging over over their relationship. The problem is the more you stack those clouds, the darker they seem. So you've got to learn to forgive and move on quickly. And it's based on the idea uh, and the reality that people fail and people make mistakes and people fall. You know, it's just how it is. You've got to learn to forgive and move on quickly. Number five is, and it kind of comes back to number three, which is about celebrating what is right in the world. Be proud of your spouse and praise them often and specifically. You know, when we start pointing things out and we start praising our partners specifically for certain things and often, it actually also changes how we see our partners because we, in a sense, put things back into balance. When we always focus on what the, our partners are doing wrong and how they're failing and whatever and whatever, it just it kind of just really messes with us um, and it taints our perspective of our partners. So to put things back in balance, be proud, you know, of your spouse and praise them often and specifically. Number six is kind of same with you know same as as the previous one is brag about your spouse, but in this case, openly and publicly. When we not just praise our partners, you know, specifically in their presence, but we actually do it in front of other people and we actually start telling other people how great our partners are, even if it's just one thing. When we start doing that, you know, what it does is it just it, it creates a different sensation and feeling within our partners that they have for us, which goes a long way in motivating, you know, different behaviors. Number seven is, yeah, you know, you've got to start sharing in quote-unquote, their world with enthusiasm and support. Nothing motivates our partners more when we are fully sort of engaged in their world. We're truly interested, truly curious. We want to be part of it. They feel more special. They feel more important. And it goes a long way in actually triggering, you know, certain positive emotions within them. It's not that we're shying away from, you know, their uniqueness. We actually want to share in it. And number eight, the eighth and last tip to motivate or create more motivation within our spouses is to be a safe space for our partners. Nothing messes up, uh, you know, a positive, engaged, motivational state as quickly as when our partners feel unsafe around us. And I just, I don't mean physically unsafe. I mean emotionally unsafe. They, they, they can't rely on us. You know, we always let them down. Uh, our yes is not our yes. Our no is not our no. You know, they can't trust us. There is, there is no transparency. There is always some secret. When we're not a safe space for our partners, it goes a long way in the opposite direction. It doesn't motivate anything good and it doesn't lead to anything positive. So we need to learn how to become a safe space for our partners. That will make them far more open and more likely to be engaged with us and what it is that we're trying to either fix or heal or trying to bring to the party, um, you know, trying to trying to change. So eight tips to motivate, guys. There you have it. Just listen to this again and uh, and uh, if, you, if you can't remember them all, but eight tips to motivate. Again, it's based on the premise. It's based on the idea that you've got to lay the foundation first. Understand what motivation is in essence, and then you go and do these things, which will go a long way in serving you. I want to finish with a quote. And, uh, and then we'll bring this episode to a, to a close. So this quote is from Marcus Aurelius, which is also known as a Stoic philosopher. I quite like the Stoic philosophy. 
and uh, they've got some good stuff. Now, what he said was this, you shouldn't give circumstances the power to arouse anger for they don't care at all. The point is, my friends, is that ultimately your circumstances do not care about your feelings. Ultimately, they're not going to do anything to cause you to act more lovingly, uh, and they definitely don't do anything to act, you know, cause you to act more angrily or, you know, without love. Essentially, it comes down to what we do within ourselves, what we focus on, what we say to ourselves, what we choose to harbor, what we, you know, what energy we choose to, to uh, elicit and trigger within ourselves. That then ultimately lead to the type of behavior, you know, that that we sort of the actions we take, which then creates the same state in our environment, in the people around us, and it becomes this vicious thing that feeds on itself. But it goes both ways, positively and negatively. My challenge to you is to go and see whether you can start tuning this in the positive direction if it hasn't been going that well for you guys. Again, if you've got any more questions, please send them to me at therelationshipguy.com and I can answer you more specifically. But I hope this served you. I hope that helped you and I hope it gave you some food for thought. And uh, until next time, as I always say, go and live and love fully and take care of each other. Thanks for listening to another episode of Marriage on Fire. If you found today's show helpful, please make sure to follow and share it with someone you think needs to hear this. Also, take a moment and head over to therelationshipguy.com to connect with Gideon directly. Again, thanks for listening, and make sure to tune in soon for our next episode of Marriage on Fire.